0: 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7-11. to 11. Hear the word of the Lord. The end of all things is at hand, and therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Before we launch the sermon, let me uh, offer a quick prayer for us. Uh, So please pray with me. Our God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your mercy to us. It is a far more generous mercy than we would ever deserve, and even more generous than we can even fully comprehend. But Lord, open our eyes to see that this morning as we look into your word. By the power of your Spirit, help us. Help us to see you and the things you've called us to as your people. Let I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, let this be let this be pleasing to you. And I pray this in the name of our Son, Jesus. Amen. Again, uh, this is a short series uh, on, on generosity. Uh, it's about different topics, time and talent and Treasure And again, last week was about time. Michael was preaching about that, but today I get to talk about talent, and what a big, overwhelming topic, really. Uh, what is talent? These skills that we have, sometimes they're natural abilities. Uh, some people wonder, where do talents come from? is it you know genetic or is it something that we learn over time something that's developed um, you know if you're malcolm gladwell or you know following his books he'll say well, if you put 10,000 hours of study and practice into something then you know you'll be an expert of ph- phenomena, phenomena in a particular field of study or athleticism or anything like that um, talent it's so treasured in our society uh, these days, um, talent's prized in almost every facet of life. You know, if you follow sports, everyone's trying to get the most talent on their team, right? So that's what general managers are always trying to do. You know, and, and, and then if there's someone with a special talent, especially in sports, you know, a star, then that person's given special treatment, you know, special allowances that others who are less talented they don't particularly get because that person is the talent. Um, If you're a parent, and I'm a parent, sometimes we're trying to discern and encourage uh, the pursuit of talents in our kids. Because deep down we know uh, that what distinguishes our kids and what distinguishes us in the world is is really the talents and skills that we have. And if our child has a particular talent, um, maybe they'll get into better college, they'll be seen uh, by their peers with more esteem, Uh, Maybe uh, better than even just getting a good college. you will get a good scholarship, right? So that we don't have to pay for college. I mean, you know, there's just so many ways that our world treasures talents in the workplace. Some of us are always trying to angle for uh, some sort of special skill uh, or some sort of special talent that makes us indispensable. Or if we're trying to build up our organization, we're trying to look to hire the right uh, talent, right, for our org to accomplish its purposes. And that's just how we get ahead um, by the, the skills and talents that we accumulate for ourselves and also accumulate for our organization. The question, of course, for us this morning is we know the world treasures talents, but what does the Bible say about talents? And maybe the simplest word that the Bible uses to describe talents is not really talents, perhaps, but the Bible uses this word gift. Um, And we still even use that word today in our modern terms. We say so-and-so is so so gifted, right? Um, And usually whenever we say that in our modern society, we we say that someone's gifted, but we don't usually say who is actually giving the gift. Uh, But in the Bible, uh, the Bible is very clear uh, that those who are gifted, those who are talented, these things are given by a particular somebody, and that person is God himself, Uh, The Bible will say uh, in Psalm 24, verse 1, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. In other words, God is the creator of everything, uh, the maker of human beings and the giver of all good gifts. Um, That's uh, from James uh, chapter 1, uh, the giver of all good gifts. Um, In other words, everything uh, that we have, everything that we are as human beings, as as people, uh, we are all uh, subject to and created by with love and care. Uh, we are made by God himself. And when we say that somebody is gifted, um, yes, absolutely. We see these gifts all around, and maybe it's genetics, maybe it's other things, uh, but God is working in these things to gift people. And uh, that is something that God does as the creator. Uh, now, in our passage today, uh, Peter also uses that term gifts. In First Peter chapter 4, uh, verse 10, he says, use the, the gift uh, that you have received. And uh, again, I think uh, what this means is that when Peter's using that word gift, uh, he's speaking kind of broadly, um, and they mean talents, they mean skills, they mean our natural abilities, maybe our genetic disposition, um, even our other resources that we have, whether financial or other things. Uh, Sometimes they may be spiritual gifts, and we can talk about that a little bit more if you want to. Um, But these things are all uh, gifts. In other words... Uh, when we focus on the talent and forget that these things are gifts from a giver, then perhaps our perspective gets a little skewed. Um, it's very easy to get puffed up by our talents, but the Bible, the Bible is saying no. Uh, gifts, gifts are given, so we can't get puffed up about our gifts. You know, gifts are just simply received. In other words, gift, they say more about the gracious giver than they do about the receiver of the gifts so in other words when we are considering talents or gifts that we have uh, we shouldn't say that hell we're special or somehow distinguished uh, amongst our peers or whatever it is but gifts make us humbly grateful to God uh, God who is the giver of all good things and so the Bible is teaching that as people who are gifted or talented, we are not more valuable or praiseworthy because of the talent that we have. And also on the flip side, we're not less valued or less praiseworthy because of the talents that we, we don't have. In other words, for someone who recognizes that our giftedness is, is simply from God's gracious choice to give us this particular talent, then we can't demand a special attention or a special treatment Um We have to contrast that with the the way the world adores uh, and even gives special status uh, to the talent. Uh, Rather, uh, talents are gifts. So instead, for believers, let's give the adoration and special attention to the giver, not the receiver of gifts. Now, our giftedness, it might distinguish us as individuals, but one is not greater and one is not less because of our gifts. Now, I have to stop here because some might say, oh, well, wait, wait, wait. You know, I've worked hard at my skill. I've worked hard to be who I am. Maybe you might say, oh, I've put in the requisite, you know, 10,000 hours of study and practice to be who I am. And I've earned, in other words, some recognition. I've put in like sweat equity into who I am. And I think what I would say, um, and what God might say is well, congratulations. In other words, we should rightly applaud each person for their skills that are honed and polished over time. But even so, the the most supremely talented among us And we can't take credit for being self made. You know, we've all had opportunities that others might not have had. You know, it could be the family background that we have, it could be the place that we're born, Um, the school that we went to that others did not have access to. You know, we've had natural inclinations that others just don't have. Um, Maybe raw skills, physical abilities, you know, genes, whatever you want to call it, Um, and other things uh, that we have benefited from um you know mentors who came along that we got uh, encouragements and help along the way that we didn't look for but seemed like chance at the time but of course for christians especially uh nothing really is truly chance god is the giver of all good things And so for us who might be feeling like we have earned something, we've put in the sweat to be somebody because of the skills and talents that we've accumulated, I would say what Jesus might say is congratulations. Or what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25 to the person who's talented and worked the fingers to the bone to become exceptional, Jesus might say, well well done, well done, good and faithful servant. And Jesus says, you've been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and enter into the joy of your master. In other words, what the Bible says, what Jesus says, is that God is absolutely pleased with those who use the gifts that he has given. For those who have taken risks, those who have labored long and hard to make much of the gifts that God has given in Matthew 25 is uh, that parable that Jesus talks about. This is called the famous parable of the talents. And as a little side note there, talent in that parable is is actually a measure of money. It's not talent the way that we are using it today. Uh, but interpreters do take that word talent to mean more broadly, more than just finances, but really whatever good gifts that God has given. And God has given to some many gifts and to some a medium amount of gifts, and to some a small amount of gifts. But each person is equally valuable in God's eyes, and he calls us to use those gifts. And so God says, well done, good and faithful servant, to a person who has cultivated those gifts, as long as that person has two truths in mind. And the one truth is the one that we just talked about, that talents are from God, um, and talents don't puff us up, but instead they should make us humbly thankful to the giver, the giver of all good things. And the second thing uh, from that parable of talents, and also the second thing that we see from the Bible, is God is going to say, well done, good and faithful servant to those who are talented, yes, those who have been given gifts, but also to those who are using those gifts for God's purposes. Now, question of all, what are God's purposes for those gifts that he given? You know, if you've been in the church at all for a while, then you know what I'm going to say. It's, those gifts are, are to build up the church. And yes, you know, we'll get there in a second. But I want to take a step back just, just for a moment. What is God's purpose for the gifts that he has given? I want to take a clue from, from the context of First Peter. Uh, again, this is our passage for this morning, verse 7. Uh, Peter actually starts off this section by talking about the end of all things. And this is a common belief in the first century when Peter is writing that after the resurrection that they expected God to come back and just uh, end all the world at that time. And we can talk about the timing a little bit later. Peter does address it in a few chapters later, but we don't have time to dive into that. But he has in mind the end of all things. What kind of advice would Peter give to people who are looking at the end of all things? I don't know if you ever sat around with friends to chew that question around. What would you do if you knew the world was going to end in a few weeks? I've heard many answers. Uh, you know, some people will say, well, I'll try to cross things off my bucket list, right? I'll travel to see places in the world that I've always wanted to see. You know, again, that's assuming COVID's not really there. Or maybe we wouldn't care because COVID, who cares? It's the end of the world. I know some of us, if it was the end of the world, um, we'd splurge on great meals, right? Uh, experiences, this fantastic experiences with friends or loved ones, we'd maybe empty the bank account. You know, personally, I know, if I knew the world was going to end in a few weeks, God, there's a beach on Maui I I know I'd love to stand on as I usher in the end of the world. I mean, there's many things I could think of. What is Peter's God-inspired advice to believers as the world comes to an end? In other words, does, does the end of the world end its imminency? Does it add an urgency to, to Peter's call and exhortation to believers? We might expect him to say something extraordinary, do something radical in light of the end. What does Peter encourage believers to do at the end of all things? Let's look at verse 7 again. He says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. And above all, this is verse eight, above all, love each other deeply. And when he says love each other, he doesn't mean just our family or friends that we cherish. He's writing to the church. And he says because love covers over a multitude of sins. Verse nine, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling, and each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Kind of shocking to me when I read this, as Peter doesn't give this radical call to extreme and extraordinary action as the world comes to an end. He simply calls believers, really, to love. And frankly, when things are dire, that exhortation to love is exactly what we need. You know, if there's ever been a time in recent memory for me where it feels like things are you know coming to an end 2020 with the pandemic early 2021 ranks quite up there you know this pandemic is continuing on and on and even these recent scenes of chaos in the capital kind of recording this earlier in this week it's it's just astounding what do we do as believers as things get dire. You know, we're tempted to kind of hole up and, you know, maybe let it all blow over. You know, in fact, that's exactly what our public health officials are are mandating. Um, Just hole up. (laughs) Let all these things pass us by. What does the Bible say? And no, I'm not saying that we should go out and gather in some massive sort of love fest, but Peter is calling us to love. He says we should be clear-minded and self-controlled to pray. Absolutely. And I think what Peter would say that we should pray for is that we should pray for hearts that love others with the gifts that we have given. Love, as the Bible says elsewhere, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is just the greatest gift and it is the highest calling and this is Saint Paul's uh, discussion on that topic. First Corinthians chapter 13. Very famously, he says, you know, for those who are extremely gifted, he says, well, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, you know, but have not love, and I'm a, then I'm a resounding gong, a clanging single, a, a clanging symbol. And if I have the, the gift of prophecy that can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that that can move mountains, but but I've not love. I'm nothing. You know, if, if I give all that I possess to the poor and, and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, you know, I, I gain nothing. Paul is saying, and for those who are supremely talented, those who are supremely resourceful, those who have been gifted with so many things, if we give all these things and do all these amazing things, but have not love, it ends up to, really, a hill of beans. You know what are what are your talents? And What are your gifts that God has given? You know when things are dire. You know when we're when we're squeezed. You know God simply wants us to love others with what we've been given. Now Paul tells us again that that love is that greatest gift, and again love is not. A great gift because it makes us feel loved. But love is the greatest, greatest gift because you know when we act selflessly, when when Godly love gives shape to our attitudes and our actions, then it blesses others beyond our normal ability. In other words, all of our actions become gifts to others, and all of our skills, all of our resources, all of our talents. They get generously used for the sake of others. You know, when the Apostle Paul talks about gifts to serve in the church, you know, we just think of things like music or preaching or, or leading things like a Bible study and other things like that. And those are all, those are all good. Um, but again, if those are done without love, then, then they're nothing. But even beyond the things that build up the church, I want to encourage us to think maybe first, like, what are things that are not outside of the, the official church? You know, what are what are your gifts? Sometimes we're tempted to think, in other words, that, well, if we're not particularly good at those those churchy gifts, then, then maybe we can't serve God. Well, just think about, you know, our congregation here, you know, at Bridges, you know, for instance, we have a lot of teachers. I'm amazed at how many teachers we have. And I would encourage, you know, you teachers... You know, use your skills as an evaluator, as a, as a skill developer, as, a, as an explainer. You know, if you use those things with love, I think we'll be surprised at the, the effects that it has on, on building up others. You know, in other words, we've all been on the receiving end of, of skilled teachers that cared, and then on skilled teachers that, that didn't care about students. You know, it's kind of the difference between you know, learning something and then a student that's inspired forever because the teacher really did care about the person. You know that, I've I've felt that. You've you've been in that classroom where the teacher actually cares and knows about the student and has applied all the skills he's accumulated over time to bless the students there. And students leave those classrooms thinking, I wanna be a teacher, I just wanna change the world now. In other words, love, mixed with the skills that we've spent so much time accumulating and and honing, love ultimately goes farther than the skill. Love starts to change lives because of the skills that God has given to us. In other words, for you teachers, Bridges, and other places, when your students sense that you care, when your students sense, and it sounds a little weird, that you actually love them, and even if they're not Christians and they, know that they don't even know that you're a Christian and even if it's just a classroom over Zoom or whatever it is, they will taste, because of your love and your skill, they will taste a bit of God's kingdom. And I pray that they'll get a taste of Jesus because Jesus is the teacher par excellence. And when we use the gifts that we have with love and that sort of Selfless care that God is encouraging us to. Then I hope that the people in our orbits will get a taste, just the smallest taste, of who Jesus is. And so many other skills that we have in our congregations—it's uh, amazing to think about. You know, we have so many doctors, so many medical professionals, and at the way especially the you know, lawyers, business leaders, people in the corporate world. I mean, so many skills. I mean, I can't even name them all. I just want to encourage us to. Selflessly care for your patients and your clients and your co-workers as you apply some of the hard-earned and hard-learned, sorry, hard-learned skills and talents that God has, has given to you. In other words, serving others with the, the gifts that God has given, it will help others to just catch just the smallest glimpse of what God's kingdom is like. And my prayer for you in those situations is that even if the people that you're interacting with, your clients or patients, whoever it is, even if they don't know that you're a Christian, I do pray. I pray that they will get a sense of the way that God works because of the way that you're caring for them. They'll get a sense of God as as a healer because of the way that you exercise your medical skills we'll at a sense of who God is as a, as a as an advisor, because of the ways that you consult with others. Look at a sense of who God is as a friend, because of how it is that you love your co-workers. Look at a sense of how God is a good authority, because of the way that you manage your your people. Look at a sense of how God is a, a mentor, because of the ways that you are mentoring others. Look at a sense of God of, as simply someone who cares, because you simply care in the ways that you exercise the gifts that you have in interacting with others. And I pray, I pray that when we do that as God's people, that those who are interacting with us in that way, that it makes them hungry for more of that kind of love and that kind of care, and that because of that, that ultimately leads them to yearn for Christ it gives them a sense of what God's kingdom is like. And I think this is one incredible way that God has given us to glorify Him with the gifts that He has given to us. It reminds me of something that Peter says elsewhere in this letter in First Peter, first um, Peter chapter two, verse twelve, he says, To live such good lives amongst the pagans, that is, those who don't even believe in God, live such good good lives amongst these people, that even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your good deeds, and I would say good deeds meaning just using our gifts selflessly. They will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. This, this is the calling that God gives to us. Regarding talents, just be humbly thankful for the gifts that God has given. And then number two, just just use those gifts to love others and to glorify God. Just a little segue here. You know, we talked about the use of gifts, and I'll talk about outside the church. I haven't gone to the official church part yet, um, but you know what Peter will say elsewhere in his letter. Uh, he does address God's people as part of the church. First Peter chapter two, verses nine to ten. And he says to all of God's people who are so supremely gifted by God, the gracious giver of good gifts. He says, you, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And what Peter is saying here and what, of course, Paul and other people in the Bible will say, use all of our gifts For the sake of building up the body of Christ. Absolutely. We want to use the gifts that God has given to encourage others to build up the body of Christ. There's a particular verse I want to focus on here as we think about just building up the body of Christ. Verse 11, chapter 4, uh, Peter says about building up the body of Christ, about using these gifts to serve. He says, if anyone serves, he should do it in the strength that God provides if anyone serves, he should do it in the strength that God provides. Now, absolutely, for those of you faithful, many who are serving in the church and tirelessly serving, I would say amen. If you're feeling tired, God bless you. Pray and ask and know that God, He is the one who gives strength to do all the things He's called us to do. And the flip side, for others of us who are kind of Just looking at volunteering in the church or or doing things for God. This is a really challenging verse, and it's challenging for me even if I'm trying to serve. It says, If anyone serves, he should do it in the strength that God provides. Gosh, I know so many times when I've kind of tried to do things in the church or agreed to pick up a particular task or volunteer role or whatever it is. This is how I think about volunteer roles it's very tempting to volunteer for things that I think I can do. It's tempting, in other words, it's very tempting to serve with things that we know that we can do. In other words, we volunteer for things that we're good at. We volunteer for things that are in our wheelhouse and we know we can knock out of the park. And I say, that's that's great, we should use the gifts that we, we have, but there's an edge that I think we have to think about there, a, a sinful edge even. Because if we serve only and the things that we think we can do? Are we truly serving in the strength that God provides? Are we truly serving in the strength that the God provides? In other words, in the church, and also in the world, what is God truly calling us to do? Is he calling us to do the things that we think that we can do? Or is he calling us to act in faith and trusting that God is going to provide for us in the things that we we just cannot do? I think of what the missionary William Carey says. He says, in regards to this verse especially, he says to expect great things from God and also attempt great things for God because God is the one who provides the strength and the gifts to do the things he's called us to do. And I'm just kind of thinking now of, of our church the way and bridges, you know, God has blessed us so much. It's it's really astounding to me just to sit and look and think about all of you. you know, we're so full of talented and resourceful and just so skillful people. You know, God has richly blessed us. Amen. We should be so thankful. But also, God has richly called us. God has richly blessed us, and God has richly called us. You know, the, the vision for the way is to renew neighborhoods with the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there's so much more that is possible. We just look at our neighborhoods around. We need more churches, we need more people faithfully and generously giving of their time, their gifts, and energy. This is the way we love others and to see that others will see and catch a glimpse of God's kingdom. It will take all of our gifts. It will take more than what we think we have. But thankfully and incredibly, God does and always provide what his church needs. In other words, God is the one who's greatly loved us, and He calls us to love greatly. And loving greatly means pushing beyond what we are comfortable giving. That is just what love does in every arena. Love pushes us beyond what we're comfortable giving. But thankfully and graciously, God gives us the strength of love. God gives us all the strength that we need to love. And God, he may surprise you, and he definitely has always surprised me with what he provides so that we can bless others and then glorify himself. Let's use the gifts God has given. Use them with love that God has given and use them to glorify his name and to see his kingdom come In whatever humble way that we can serve. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, you have been so generous with us. You know, we are the dust of the earth and you've given us life. You know, you've you've seen us as selfish rebels who've turned against you, and then you sent your son to die for us. You know, in our weakness, Lord, you sent your spirit to fill us. Lord, you've been so gracious to us. Help us to receive, then, in humble faith from you. Help us to receive your generous mercy, your love, and also help us to humbly receive the gracious gifts that you've given to us. Help us to see all the things that we are and to know that these are from you. So, Lord, help us to see that love you've shown to us and also to know that you call us to love especially in these times, these times that squeeze us, instead of holding up or looking to our own interests, Lord, help us to love with your strength. Help us to expect great things from you, and also to attempt great things for you. In other words, just simply let us use your gifts. Let us use your gifts with your love for your glory. And I pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.